It's Thursday, December 2nd, 2021. And today we're talking about Constellation Software launches a VC arm, Tiger and Salesforce get a clue, Spare raises $18 million for its mobility software platform, and the end of the road for Roadmonk. Let's get started. First, Constellation Software launches a VC arm. Alex, can you tell me more about this fund? So late last week, Constellation Software announced it was launching its first corporate venture capital fund. It has $200 million in funding. It's going to be invested over three to five years. The fund will be called VMS. Can you guess what that stands for? Uh, no. Vertical Market Software. I was going to say virtual market software. I thought it just doesn't make sense for a constellation. Yeah, and it's going to target companies in which managers' employees own a significant stake. So if you've raised like four rounds previously, you're probably not the target for this fund. And that's their model, right? They're going to partner with current management and current ownership to continue to grow? Well, I I think there's two things that explain how constellation has traditionally worked. Um, They target vertical market software, so call the fund VMS. And they like companies that are, I guess, for vertical are, are niche specific and at our own basically by donor operators so that they have stake in the game and they can buy them out pretty easily. And why does this all sound so familiar, Alex? Well, if you go back a few years, there was basically no such thing as a corporate venture capital firm in Canada other than TELUS. Um, I think Intact may have had one. But in the last few months, it seems like every couple of weeks, there's a new uh, traditional corporation um, announcing a corporate venture capital fund. So if you go over the last few months, you got Clio, Thomson Reuters, you got Spin Masters announced funds. If you go back over the last two years, there was a few other sort of fund, uh, corporate sort of like venture capital funds announced. One that's never been announced, but company that's been acting like they have a corporate venture capital fund is Shopify. Um, and the Westons and the Marais, who are basically their corporations, even though they're separate entities, have launched uh, venture capital funds, Whittington Capital, and then the Marais has like six or seven entities that invest in venture. Uh, Portage, Diagram, Cigar, you'd take your pick. Yeah. So, you know, so this is something that was very common in the States and to a certain sense Europe, but not in Canada now. It seems like I can I almost, I bet every month in 2022, we'll see another venture, uh, corporate venture capital firm. So it's definitely a trend. Um, what makes Constellations Fund different or more notable from just another Me Too corporate VC arm? So, first of all, I think most people are familiar with Constellation, but in case people aren't, they're Canada's second largest publicly traded uh, tech company. So you've got this company called Shopify, which I'm sure all our viewers and listeners are familiar with. Then you've got Constellation, which has a market cap, let's call $50 billion. And what they are is they're a conglomerate that acquires niche software businesses. What's interesting about this corporate VC firm is they're focused on investing in companies a bit earlier then Constellation would acquire them. So they're saying, hey, maybe we'll want to acquire you, your vertical, your niche, your vertical market specific, and you're basically owned by your, the owner-operator, we'll invest in you. Um, and they're not going to get the benefits of being part of the, the sort of the conglomerate, so they can be independent, but it almost sounds like a scout fund, for lack of a better word. Interesting. Um, so now we have in Canada a lot more developed sources of capital uh, for entrepreneurs. If I'm a founder... When do I target talking to a corporate VC arm? And when do I target talking to maybe a more traditional venture capital fund? Well, I'm going to reshape that question as to which corporate VC fund should I be looking at when I raise. And I think that first understands how corporate VC, you have to understand how corporate VCs are different than traditional VCs. 
A corporate VC typically has one LP, so one in backer, who provides an evergreen fund. So unlike, let's say, Inovia, which probably has 50, 60 LPs and has to go raise every two to three years, typical corporate VCs have, you know, constellations providing $200 million. It is $200 million. It's for finite time, but will probably get renewed on an ongoing basis. They don't have to go to market to raise. The second one is corporate VCs have different goals. Some are looking for strategic investments like this one. Some are looking to grow the parents' company ecosystem, like what Shopify does. And some are just looking for pure investments, which is like what you see in Intel or um, or Google. Like Google's Google's VC arm is basically money from Google that go invest in what they want. Um, and then they add value in different ways. Some will help you partner with the parent company. Some will tilt the market in your favor. So like if Shopify, you know, Again, nothing anti-monopolist. I mean, nothing monopolist here. But if Shopify invests in you and you're one of the buy now, pay later, they may promote you a bit more in the marketplace. They may help you understand the marketplace a bit better. Yeah, distribution. There's all sorts of things that they can help with, right? Expertise. Yeah, I agree. And, and some are hands-off. So when should you actually go target them? When you're going to raise, you should understand what you want from your investors. You should look at the corporate venture capitalists out there and see if any of them meet your criteria and then include them in your round, um, they and you should probably include them at just as you would with a normal VC, but and, and you know, but understand how they operate and what their motivations are. But what should you look out for? Like, what's what are some of the de- potential downsides of going that route? I, I think some of the downsides is if you get the one where the primary goal is a strategic investment, it may scare off some traditional investors because they may view it as, hey, this this corporate VC is going to feed an acquisition to the parent company. Um, you know, and so if they don't invest, it's a bad signal if they don't buy. And if they buy you, they might buy you too cheaply. Um, you have to understand what's the, what's driving the actual investors, not the entities, what's their economic interest. And it may be something that's not obvious and they'll act in a different way than a traditional VC and newer ones may not be evergreen. And so they may not be able to follow on with their investments, which, which is not a huge issue, but could be a pain in pain when you go to raise again. And that actually sometimes happens to newer VCs as well. They don't get the fund three or fund four. So there is some reason to get them. Um, on the positive side, when they invest, they may act as social proof for other VCs and you might see the round come together quicker. Uh, you know, they help you in ways we, you said. And, and they're typically less price sensitive than normal VCs, which may or may not matter in this market. Um, yeah. There's a lot of price insensitivity today. Yeah. So uh, if you're if you're a TechTO founder, why are you excited or or maybe worried about the trend here? So excited because more funding options are always good for founders. A bit worried because Canadian corporations tr- traditionally haven't had a venture capital fund. I haven't gone back and looked at historical correlations with market tops, but the <laughs> sign says we're getting near market top. It's like when all the MBAs want to go into technology, you know it's near the top. So when all the corporates want to go into VC, you know we're also getting too close to the edge, huh? Potentially. Potentially. <laughs> uh, I think that's very cool. What about for the early stage founders? Are are these corporate VC arms playing in the seed rounds and early rounds? Or are they more of scale-up capital for Series A and later? It depends on the firm, but I traditionally say they, they'd be like an A round or later. Right, like that. They, unless you are very strict, they're strategic, and you have a reputation in an industry. I think it's hard for them to go extremely early. Again, it depends on the fund. Like I, I think Salesforce, which actually has a Canadian a fund dedicated to Canada, may go earlier. And we've seen them use that fund as well. Um, 
is there any place where you can find a list of these latest corporate venture arm announcements? Hmm, not that I know of, but maybe we should put it on TechTO. I'm thinking maybe in tomorrow's newsletter, that can be a what? place where you can learn about the latest stories and trends, including let's just grab a list of some of them and throw them in the newsletter. Uh, what else can the community expect in our upcoming editions? Well, you know, it's going to be 2022 soon somehow. Um, part of that, we're going to, you can expect more in-depth rundowns and trend forecasts for the upcoming year. We also have some exciting event announcements for 2022, and we're gearing up to announce our full events calendar for the new year. So make sure you subscribe, and we're going to help you make your New Year's resolutions possible. You know, you may want to become skinnier. You may want to be more successful. Whatever it is, our newsletter is going to help you do it in 2022. <laughs> Whatever your goals, uh, health-wise, relationship-wise, family-wise, yeah, dating-wise. Yeah, sure. You can just subscribe to reach all your 2022 goals and get the latest news, trends, advice, and events, you can subscribe at techto.org or on all our social media platforms. Just look for the link in our bio. All right, next, Tiger and Salesforce get a clue. All right, what's the news here, Alex? So Vancouver-based Clue, which describes themselves as an AI-powered competitive enabled, enablement platform, that's, that's a mouthful, raised $62 million USD in a Series B funding led by Tiger Global with participation from Salesforce Ventures. And note that Salesforce Ventures, that's not the Canadian VC, corporate VC arm of Salesforce. Not the one you just mentioned. And so well, uh, why, is, why is this fundraising announcement so interesting to you? Well, first, usually these announcements, you get this long list of people that are participating around. And what it is, is you have a new lead and you have people taking their pro rata. This one has two entities and none of them are previous investors. So it looks like, Tiger wanted to take, if you read, but you know, what's out there, Tiger wanted to take the entire round and the current VC said, yeah, fine. We're happy with Tiger taking around. And then Jason and the clue team said, well, we want Salesforce to be here for strategic reasons. So let's make some space for them. Um, the other thing is the closest direct competitor recently raised 22 million USD and take Tiger seems to have come a bit over the top to supposedly anoint a winner. Okay. So a couple questions there. The first is, when your existing investors aren't participating in their pro rata or maybe leading subsequent rounds, is that usually a red flag? So if you go back two years ago, that was a signal. And that was also a reason to take, you know, hey, you don't want to take from a multi-stage fund if they don't come in later rounds. What are they saying about the current round? I think in the current market, there's a lot of people at each round that just don't give a damn about the previous investors and willing to take the whole round themselves. So the signal, in this case, the signal risk does is, is actually not there because you know, the lead want to take the whole round. Now, if it was someone like, I don't know, let's, I'm not picking any, you know, don't know if this would happen. I know who might not write a $60 million check and you didn't have the past investors, maybe that'd be a negative signal. Right. And, and so there's a second signal here, which is you mentioned the competitor raised a 20 odd million dollar round, and this is a $60 million odd round. So does that make Clue the category leader now? Well, Tiger's trying to signal the market that they believe this is the category winner. And I think you could go argue that these resources can help Clue become the category winner, but it may also complicate it and make it hard. But for now, the media will play that Clue's now won this category. So how does it complicate it exactly? Well, so, so look, you get lots of money. What do you have to do with it? You got to invest it. And so what are you going to do? So you're going to invest it in, like, I could see Clue, you know, to expand its geographic footprint, to expand mm -hmm. its product offerings, the number of customers it goes yeah, after. It's, so it's, it's got to hire, it's got to go market, it's got to make an acquisition. Yeah. And you know what to do, maybe, and it's, but it's 
hard and tricky to do it. The speed ventures won't want you to do that. And so there's a lot of error. There's a lot of chance you make errors and they compound over time without you realizing it. And that you end up actually taking a, you know, shooting yourself a foot and have a problem to deal with. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but for every, you know, a category winner is not, is doesn't actually happen if someone's actually deployed the capital right and won it. Now, what you have here, the ability to pay more, the ability to move faster, but that's a blessing and a curse. So it, it comes back to making the right decisions, um, executing yeah. and being a bit lucky. Yeah, that's come back to execution. Got to have all of them though. I agree. Lucky and making some good decisions. So what impact is this round going to have on the ecosystem? Well, more money into this ecosystem. Great for funders, founders, great for VCs. And even better for employees. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's not like it's not like they got sixty million dollars and said, "Okay, here's fifty more experienced engineers in Vancouver or Toronto." It's you know, so I yeah. I think you're gonna see pressure on employee uh, engineer wages continue and probably BDRs as well. Um, Tiger's aggressive moves is gonna continue to force late stage VCs to think about their strategy and how they want to react and how they position themselves in the market. Um, what does it actually mean? I am not. 100% sure because I don't know which players feel that they have to change their strategy and how they will change their strategy. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, comment that you mentioned about uh, employee uh, benefits here and wages and yeah. total compensation rising. Uh, you know, I, I wonder if there's anything to be said for a lot of this money maybe going into nice corporate leases before and without those corporate leases going right into the pockets of employees. Well, um, I, anything I, that you've I, seen I, about that? So there is like, look, if you go fully distributed and you give up your office, like I actually talked to a couple founders that I know well that said, Hey, we're giving up our offices. We're giving up those perks, but we're going to just, they go into different perks and they go into different costs. Like right. I was talking to someone in Seattle, he has 200 employees. He's going to do an offsite every quarter, um, which will cost him the same thing as his lease. So got it. So it's not necessarily going in. It's just a redistribution. Yeah. The losers are the uh, commercial real estate folks. And, well, and again, uh, I think the that's, that's presumptuous. I think, Commercial real estate's not going away. I think you're going to have less density and you know different use case for commercial real estate. And okay, that's for another teams. topic. I like it. I like this topic. If you're a TechTO founder, what are you learning from the Clue raise? Um, first of all, again, we we didn't get into this, but there's momentum here. We've talked about it nonstop. You got momentum. You can convince people your category leader can raise a shit ton of money. Um, then going back to this employee inflation, salary inflation. If you haven't prepared to raise your employees' salaries for engineers by the end of the year, you might want to check if you're still paying market rate and if not, adjust, um, help push inflation higher or or risk losing your employees. And again, it's particularly engineers less, and then BDRs and then everyone else were not as lucky. Amazing. I love it. Um, let's talk about what's coming up in the TechTO ecosystem. I'm excited for this. Tomorrow on Founders and Funding, you're going to be sitting down with Brendan Wales, the founding partner at Fuse Venture Partners, and Michael Bignold, the founder and CEO of Cost Certified, for a candid conversation on how their round came together, what Mike wished he knew before raising, and what VCs are looking for in a company. Can you tell us a little bit about that round? Well, it was a pretty, I think, if I remember correctly, it's the biggest seed round in Alberta history. Okay, and that's, that's a pretty, pretty ambitious good founder. hook. An ambitious founder, a big seed round, and that's all going down remote virtually tomorrow on techtio.org. And then on Wednesday, December 8th, that's next week, we are back in Vancouver in real life. We'll be joined by Ian Wong, co-founder and CTO at Opendoor, and Serge Salger, the CEO at VisualPing. 
We're going to be talking about the journey to IPO, raising rounds back to back, and building companies from the ground up. Alex, what are you hoping that we ask the founders there in Vancouver on Wednesday? Tough questions. <laughs> oh, you want specific questions? You can um, be a specific one. You know, I asked Serge, you know, what does he think about the current funding environment? Because, you know, he raised a couple of quick rounds, and but it's been now like nine months. And does he feel the pressure to raise nine months in opposed to normal two years? Mm -hmm. uh, and also ask about how does, again, topics we talked about here. How do you go about recruiting a team when there's so much, so much, so much capital out there? Yeah. And then come on, there's a big topic hanging out there for Ian. What are you going to ask Ian about? Going public? I don't know. That's a but, good one. But, but the parties in his house, houses when yeah. um, people breaking in for parties. Um, I don't know what, what what's what, what's the topic you have in mind. You're trying to get your uh, plain I was, fish. I was thinking about um, Zillow pulling out of the programmatic buying program. Oh, that, that was like that three be... weeks ago. That's like old. Oh, okay, that new cycle is over. Okay, Z I understand. Who's Zillow? <laughs> and always a fun crowd out there. Uh, William brings the heat. He brings the noise. He brings the vibe. It's going to be super fun out in Vancouver next Wednesday. All right, next up, Spare raises $18 million for its mobility software platform. Uh, who was in this round, Alex? So Vancouver-based Spare raised from Inovia, who was the lead, Kensington Capital, Link VC, Ramen VC, Ridge Ventures, Translink Capital, and Japan Airlines, uh, which apparently is their innovation fund. So there's another corporate VC. seems to be corporate there VC week, and Nicola Wealth. Uh, so a bit longer list of investors here. And what does Spare do? So they provide a mobility software platform for public transit, ride sharing, and other shared transportation. So if you're right, if you have a transportation network, they provide basically an operating system designed to make you run your your business better. Okay, so these are big clients, big deals. Yes and no. Um, what's interesting here is they have a lot of. They seem to thrive in smaller municipalities that want to offer um, where people want mobility services. So it's you know. They may they may serve a client like Toronto, but it's also like uh, I'm trying to think of a smaller town uh, outside of GTA, um, like Squamish in BC or um, Innisfil. That you know you don't you don't associate them with like big transportation networks, but there's a lot of mobility offerings there, and and that's where they seem to be thriving. Got it. And why was it able to raise this round? I think they they're a company that's in the middle of a few trends that are out there. So one is. Everyone wants to offer more services to their population. And you saw a lot of people move to these, let's like call them exurbs or smaller, you know, distributed workforce. You don't have to be in the big city. You move to Collingwood, you move to Squamish. Uh, you know, you can see my geography, small towns across North America. Small uh, is not well, but like, and the problem is those people now want to offer more services to their residents or people want to offer ride hailing like Lyft and, and uh, Uber. But everyone has limited budgets, so they're looking for a way to provide us. They're looking for ways to use the assets better, looking for ways to provide us you know, more technology that people are used to. And that's where you need a mobility, a mobility software platform. So Spare get, it's benefited from growth of non-metropolitan areas, growth of you know, stretched government budgets, and, a, and the rise of ride-sharing and last-mile delivery because they're enabling that. And finally, this is one reason people want to see mobility, shared mobility increase is it's part of climate change, fighting climate change, get less cars on the road, let's get more people in vehicles. So there's a few different trends that they seem to be benefiting from. The other one, oh. um, that, so the other two things, it has a lot of tractions with 80 customers in Canada, United States, Europe, and Japan. And it's starting to show network effects in the geographic areas it's in. So they get into, let's say, let's 
uh, again, I don't know if this was a client. Like from they town touched, to town? Like the neighboring? From town to town and, and provided a provider in a town. So they might get the government, then some then then some public, then some private sector customer wants to use them. And then the adjacent community wants to use them. So they're starting to see network effects where they get like an anchor customer. And then they then get like seven or eight customers, both private and government and non-government clients. So it's, it's very interesting because there's a benefit because they can share assets, they can share demand, they can share supply. So a bunch of non-related, it almost creates a marketplace on top of their operating system. Interesting. So that's exciting for them. Anything else you wanted to share about this round? Uh, you know, just say, hey, in the, you know, corporations investing, not only at JAL in this line, this one, the previous round was all Mitsubishi Corporation. So is there seems, is there a Japanese connection here that we're missing? What's going on well, here? Well, if you go look at their customers, they have a lot of penetration in Japan. So lots of towns, and, and they got the uh, the the good folks at Ramen Ventures in as well. So they're really doubling down on their Japanese oh. culture. Yeah, I guess you can argue. Oh, Adam, Adam, I don't you know is, <laughs> loves Japan, but he is. A, I'd say he's more Shopify connection than Japan connection. <laughs> and if you're uh, if you're an early stage entrepreneur in Canada, uh, what are you learning from this particular raise? Well, I, I think if you look at their history, and we didn't get into this, the company pivoted from being a provider of transportation systems. So they were trying to actually be one of these like ride sharing platforms themselves and saw demand for the operating system. And they basically followed what attraction was and built the op mobile operating system. So listen, pay attention to what's going on in your customer with, uh, with, with your startup and see where demand is. And sometimes a pivot is not because you're desperate, but because you see an opportunity. Second of all, network effects for enterprise companies that serve enterprise seem to take longer to merge. Um, Spare starts showing network effects when they in municipalities. I don't think they knew it was going to happen, but they saw this opportunity. They're now doubling down on that. Um, last week, about a month ago, we talked about Rose Rocket, who the network effects took a while to come out. So consumer network effects are obvious. I think enterprise network effects are more subtle. And you should, if you start to believe they're there, you should try to encourage them, but be patient. And finally, um, Canadians, we usually look south for our customers, especially enterprise customers. But we're in Canada. We're connected to the world. Everyone loves us. You can look globally. And like you see this, 80 customers, and a lot of them are outside of North America, including you know some deep penetration in Japan. Um, just encourage the founders out there and the teams out there. Don't, don't think South. or Maybe you want to think Latin America, but don't think of U.S. to start with. Oh, you know, they don't have to be your first set of customers. Uh, I love it. Think international. Uh, wait for those corporate network effects. And, of course, that first one my favorite one but i forget it now what was it uh come join tectio and be a part oh of yeah <laughs> no it's the pivot that pivot was amazing oh, you got to make those pivots yeah. listening to your customers and going where the demand is but you do got to join tectio if you want to join a community of canadian tech founders entrepreneurs investors head on over to tectio.org and sign up for that insider membership program alex and i are there every day answering questions making connections and helping you pivot. Alex, who have you helped pivot in the insider community recently? Hmm. An insider community? Well, I know some insiders that have pivoted. I'll uh, take it. Trilock uh, pivoted from, you know, from the Hooter customers to a different type of customer. Mm -hmm. So they went from like serving small businesses that had international clients to small businesses that are distributed, different type of customer. So there's big pivots and there's small pivots. I love it. Last up for today, the end of the road for Roadmonk. What happened here? So uh, Roadmonk was acquired by Tempo Software out of Boston. Uh, 
you know, we're, Tempo is a team management and productivity SaaS software. Roadmap is a platform that allowed organizations to collaborate on their product roadmap. Seems like a natural fit. The exit was announced this week. Do you have any details on the size of the exit? Um, no, wasn't no details. Usually, when there's no details, it means it was a nice exit at best, not a spectacular one. Uh, my assumption here is Roadmap was a hot startup in the ecosystem at one point, and they had an exit which people did okay by, but you know, not not going and buying houses in you know expensive houses in Vancouver or uh, Montreal or Toronto. Oh yeah, must be nice. So, what does it mean? to be a hot startup? Well, I think it's one that has buzz and gets everyone excited. The, the Roadmonk graduated was a Waterloo-based company. They raised $1.5 million from Garage, Golden Ventures, and Felicis when that was a significant amount to raise in your seed round. And there was a lot of buzz. You, you know, They'd be like, oh, who's up and coming company? They, they were featuring lots of hot lists. And just one where people want to go work for, and it seems to be going to the moon. And... Um... I guess this is maybe a cautionary tale. Yeah, I, I, I think. Look, I, I think we we celebrate each we each raise and we we anoint winners early on, and I think there's two things that can happen. There's three things that happen, and you should be aware all three can happen. One is the story's true, the hype's real, and they build a company that goes to the moon. Mm -hmm. What's more likely to happen is you build a great, a good, or but not a spectacular company. And everyone does okay, but not really well. Or and especially real estate, sometimes it just doesn't work out. So I, I think as and I'm gonna put this now as a founder here. Well, first, first founder, don't buy the hype. You've never you've never made it until you've exited the company. So even if when you go public, you still have to keep them performing. Um, and I think for for employees that get excited or potential employees that get excited by these announcements, you have to do the diligence to understand what you're gonna get out of the company and if you're okay with the variability of outcomes. And make the judgment of is this a team I want to work for? Is this an area I'm excited about? Am I gonna get enough outside of beyond my immediate returns? Because options can make you rich or RSUs can make you rich. They're hard to depend on an early stage. Um, you should think of them upside, but you shouldn't be, you know, expecting them to fund your uh your uh, kids' college tuition. Uh, so that's interesting advice for uh, maybe people looking to join a startup here in Canada. If you're a founder and you find yourself in a hot startup today. Uh, what do you think you should do to manage it properly? Just focus, ignore all the hype, be paranoid, and focus on making sure you're 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 actually building a company that serves customers' needs and you can make money on it. And you understand how, and you always understand how you're gonna get there and what you need to get there. I love it. Got to stay paranoid out there if you are going to survive. Thank you, Alex. What a week! in Canadian tech. If you haven't already, you got to like and subscribe to TechTO wherever you're watching or listening, and we're going to see you on the inside.